WBNE. Hello, and welcome to episode 115, All About the Hobbit, The Desolation of Smaug, Part 3. Being the 115th part of That's What I'm Talking About. My name is Mary Clay. If that's too complicated for you, just call me MC. And today I'm joined once again by Allie Gordon. Allie, thank you so much for coming back. Yay, thank you. Um, I am back to talk barrels, of which I am now an expert. So many barrels. I am your uh, Frodo-loving barrel baby. I feel, Amazing. I feel like I always have to give a really long title name, and that's this today's. That sounds like what uh, high school theater kids do for a warm up. A yeah. Fro- Frodo love Frodo loving barrel baby. It's like a kid Frodo loving barrel baby facing the corner of his black box theater, being like, "Everybody, give me a second. I have to warm up." Frodo loving barrel baby. Frodo loving barrel. <laughs> <laughs> and then he goes on to play Pippin in. Steven Schwartz's Pippin. And it's yeah. <laughs> That's really, whenever I'm looking for like a, a picture of Pippin, I sometimes do need to specify Pippin, Lord of the Rings. Yes. That's very annoying. Anyway, yeah. And I'm so glad to have you back on, especially because I was going through listener survey responses and someone was like, you should have Allie Gordon on again. And I was like, That's very flattering. So thank you. I, I really yeah. appreciate that. I can never really tell if the energy is like um, just a little too wild <laughs> or if no. it's Fun. We need fun energy for these movies wow. because otherwise it's very easy to be like to like nitpick every single detail. Oh yeah, or just to just straight up just get distracted and find yourself yeah. twenty minutes later like, oh my god, I was watching The Hobbit. I can't believe I forgot. <laughs> oh shoot, I forgot. Let me rewatch. Let me go back and pick back up. Yeah, that's know, yeah. had that experience. For sure. And then also I brought you on because you were on for the chapter Barrels Out of Bound, Bond, Bound, whatever. Whatever. Um, <laughs> and uh, I was like, oh, that'll be interesting to have someone on who was on for the chapter. And then now we're seeing how it was translated to screen, which was very different than I imagined. Yeah, and also, reading it. To, to be honest, I did feel like an expert the minute we started. I started watching it. I was like, well, that's different. Actually, <laughs> yeah, I, what happened was, I did actually yeah. feel real smart. So I appreciate that. <laughs> Um, Well, why don't you give me your general overview opinion of the Hobbit movies? Cool. I saw the first one in theaters and I fell asleep and I was very (laughs) mad at myself because I like never fall asleep in movies. And so I was very disappointed with myself and I was like, I'm going to go see the second one and um, I will not fall asleep. Can you guess what I did? <laughs> did you fall asleep? Fell asleep. So that yep. is not great. I don't, I'm also not like a chronic fall asleep in movie or like I, that was like, mm-hmm. this is, they're just too slow. However, the things I think are great are the score. The casting is like pretty unilaterally fantastic. Oh, yeah. Like everybody's mm-hmm. great in the movies. I don't know. I don't even think they're like badly written necessarily like across the board. I'm not like. There are definitely moments that I find kind of cringy, but it like, I think it's maybe unfair to be like, the script is all bad, like, because it isn't. And so like, that is sort of what I was reevaluating last night when I was watching this part of it. So I was like, there are parts of this that are really fun. And then there are parts of this that you're sort of like, I don't really understand why this was added, who thought this was important, who thought that people who like, like Lord of the Rings in general would be like, I gotta have more orcs. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it just it feels so like out of touch with the real opinion of like what people like love about the movies. And then I never saw the third one in theaters because I learned my lesson. 
but I did, I did watch it eventually when it came out. You're not, you're not the first person to say that about that makes me sad. these movies. That yeah, you're not the first person, and I guarantee you won't be the last person I encounter. I know. And it wasn't even at home. It wasn't even like, oh, I was having a beer at home, and I guess I fell asleep. I truly, like, in the middle of a movie theater was like, oh, shoot, <laughs> it's over? <laughs> like, yeah, I had that experience twice, and that made me feel bummed out. Yeah, I have, like, very similar feelings, especially with Desolation of Smaug, watching it, where there are lots of moments where I'm like, wait, this is actually very delightful, and this is such a fun scene, and the acting is great, and, like, sure, does it look a little bit too CGI'd? Yeah, totally. but, like, you know, whatever. And then there are other moments where I'm like, wow, they just, like, really forced some stuff in here, which I'm sure, sure we'll talk about with this part in particular. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. Keely and Tariel are hitting it off talking about stones and stars and Legolas is not happy about it. While Thorin is busy telling Thranduil to fork off and Keely is falling in love with the first woman he meets, Bilbo is sneaking around in ring mode coming up with a plan to get them out of prison. Bilbo's plan to get the dwarves out by packing them in barrels and dropping them into the river goes off without a hitch until he realizes he forgot himself and the elves find out their prisoners are gone. After Bilbo falls through the trap door, an extravagant chase scene ensues as the elves try to catch them and orcs appear to make matters worse. The dwarves go rushing down the river in a scene that should be turned into a whitewater rafting ride. Or at least a log flume. Like, it's the perfect scenario. Eventually, the dwarves get away and Legolas and Tariel take back one orc for questioning. Remember Gandalf? Because I nearly forgot that he gets up to his own shenanigans in these movies. Our good pal Radagast meets up with him to discover that the nine ring wraiths have broken out of their tomb and have been summoned to Dol Guldur, which is probably, you know, not good. When the dwarves make it to dry land, they tend to Keeley's orc arrow wound that surely will get better soon and won't derail a third of the plot for the rest of the movie. Suddenly, Will Turner, I mean, a mysterious figure appears and threatens to attack the dwarves. He is transporting the barrels from Mirkwood, and after learning Learning that this suave, mysterious, mustachioed man is also a single father with a tragic past, the dwarves convince him to smuggle them into Lake Town. Meanwhile, the orc that Thranduil is interrogating offers up a whole lot of information with very little prompting. He reveals that there is a growing darkness coming upon them that will lead to the death of everyone in this world. Oh, and also that Keeley was poisoned with the arrow, but that's really not the most important JK Tariel's already taken off in pursuit of the dwarves to save her boyfriend that she's had one conversation with. On the boat, the dwarves get their first glimpse of the lonely mountain and are renewed with hope. Bard successfully smuggles the dwarves into Lake Town by hiding them in barrels of fish, manipulating an absolutely useless character named Alfred, and bypassing the network of spies in Lake Town that's headed up by Stephen Colbert. While hiding out in Bard's house, we learn of the attempts to take down Smaug during his first attack on Erebor and Dale. Legend has it, one of his scales was knocked away, creating a weak spot in his armor. But that's just a fairy tale. It's not like these characters exist in a world where there are dwarves, elves, dragons, magic rings, and treasure, so there's no way that actually could have happened. Thorin discusses their plans to make it to the mountain by Durin's Day, which is in two days. The weapons Bard gives them aren't good enough, and they can't leave until nightfall anyway since they're being watched, so they're stuck there for now, which is probably for the best considering Keeley looks like he's hiding a zombie bite. Bard overhears their conversation and the name Thorin sounds familiar to him. Looking up at the Lonely Mountain, he remembers something and runs off, ordering his small children to not let a pack of dwarves leave. We pick up with Keeley and Tariel having a conversation and this is this moment is what they're going to base the romantic subplot on for the whole movie rest of the movie yeah that's rough again I do think the casting is pretty good and I do think they're both turning in like pretty good performances so it doesn't have like a ton to do with their contributions yeah. to it yeah but it is sort of funny that it was like it's kind of like the equivalent of like meeting a girl and being like when and where were you born I'm going to check your star chart unless you don't believe in that in which case we don't have to do that <laughs> do you know what I mean yeah. it's like all right interesting and then she talks about love in the moon yeah it's a little rough I don't know what to yeah. say <laughs> I don't know. Like, I just don't feel like they formed a connection. 
my problem here is that like I jokingly said when I f- was first watching the movie that moment when she like throws the dagger in the forest and, and kills the spider and Keely like turns around and stares at her in amazement I was like I jokingly was like I don't know what's happening here but I ship it uh, and I wish they had like kind of kept some of that same energy Yeah. and then I realized later I was like oh what I want is what they did with Legolas and Gimli in the Lord of the Rings movie. Literally exactly. Like <laughs> I just I want that like playful banter. Kind of like there was like a really brief moment when she was putting him in the cell and he was like aren't you going to s- search me? I might have something down my trousers and he and she goes or nothing. Right. I'm like that that like that's fun playful banter. Use yeah, that it, for it the you loses know. loses the fun playfulness and it also like completely loses the like ooh you're an elf. I don't know if I should be trusting you like or any of that. Like it just completely goes out the window so fast. I guess like if you had like his beautiful head of hair, I might also be like, whatever, <laughs> and give up on the playful banter I was going to say his like, his amazing puppy dog eyes. Yeah, long just... eyelashes. It's like, I guess, I guess I would also be like, whatever. As annoying as this plot line is in terms of like, it detracts so much from the actual story. I really hate how much I am like in love with Keely because I'm like, he's just so gosh darn cute. Yeah. And hot and they really and nailed it on that one. I, I hate it, but I'm I guess it's happening now. <laughs> yeah, it was just and like the again, it's like a criticism of just like them trying to fit women in and like kind of like retroactively no. fix some problems that are like kind of unfixable. Yeah. And they're like, no, she's gonna be like a total badass. This bitch is gonna shoot arrows and throw daggers better than the guys. It's gonna be cool. I cannot tell you what her personality is, but she's gonna fight, which is better than a lot of other ones because they didn't fight at all and you're like i guess i, I guess like i that wasn't like my i wasn't like I these know. women need to be fighting more like that's what i need to see <laughs> you know what i mean it's like no i would just like to have any a woman have an equal amount of screen time compared to like another side character you know or what or whatever yeah she says at one point like towards the end like her exact like the exact purpose that a lot of these like oh we're gonna have a strong badass woman come in and but and like fem we're feminists the future is female and she literally says I'm going to save him, which is just the purpose of a lot of those types of characters is they they come in and they just like somehow their only reason to exist is to serve the other main characters who are usually men. And then like you'll get like a one offhanded thing that's like, you're the best person who's ever thrown a knife. You're like, okay. I I guess good for her. I'm really proud. Is that her personality? Yeah, I don't really, I just like, yeah, I don't really get much personality from her. And I also don't get much personality from like her relationship with Legolas. Yeah, I could never tell if it was like, because it's like he's known her for a really long time. I think, I think that even in this section, he mentioned something like my father took you in when you were young and I've known you all your life and so I'm like are they- does he say that there's like a part where he's like my mom, my dad's gonna be really mad at you for doing this but then he also was like you're an amazing warrior my dad has offered you protection for as long as you've been with us you know what I mean I, I don't know the-, the the image it paints in my head is sort of like a brotherly sisterly kind of like yeah, yeah we were raised yeah. together but then knowing Lord of the Rings sometimes your like fourth cousin 
is also your soulmate and you marry them yeah. in the end and turn mortal for them. So I don't know. <laughs> Sometimes your sort of stepsister yeah, is, the love is also life. your very distantly related cousin and then you fall in love with her, yeah. you know. And yeah, then she becomes immortal for you. And then so you, like, marry, I don't and then know. you marry each other, whatever. Yeah, it, it, it could be time to kind of whatever. So yeah, in that moment, I was like, so they're brother and sister or soulmates or really, really hard to tell. Really hard to tell. It's a choose your own adventure. Exactly. Here. But yeah, they have a conversation that's kind of first like him being like, and anyway, I love my mom. And then they talk about the moon. And then that's sort of the whole it's just, yeah, conversation. It's, it all feels very forced. Yeah. So Keely is in his cell and he's like tossing around this stone. And she's like, what's that? And he jokes around with her and is like, it's a talisman that is cursed for anyone who touches it that's not the owner to die a terrible death or whatever he whatever says. He and he's like, or it's just a stone, you know, whatever. That kind of like playful energy is what I think they should have kept like somewhat like, you know, back and forth antagonistic, like whatever is what they should have kept going for. And then, yeah, instead he's like, no, it's from my mom and she wants me to come, which obviously I guess, I guess that makes Keely her favorite son because Feely got nothing. Yeah, Maybe nothing Feely at has all. his own token, but. Who knows? <laughs> but yeah, it's like, uh, I feel like there could have been something kind of fun in the writing of like the like uh, old guard versus new guard, so to speak, that like the older dwarves are like all about tradition and we do things this way you can't deviate from the way we've been doing it forever blah 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 and then like the younger ones who are hot magic yeah. magically are like hey it's cool we can be more chill do you know what i mean and like sort of like maybe a little bit more aligned in like the way bilbo works where he's like we'll just talk to them we don't have to like make a whole to do about it why don't we just have a conversation why don't we all be friends yeah bilbo, but literally bilbo has a moment like that later in this section which was too. great again that was a good piece of writing i really liked that yeah. and then they yeah so they start i don't even remember how they start talking about oh that's right he's like wow that's some party going on up there I hear, I heard no party. I heard party. no party. Heard, we see no party. There wasn't even like a subtitle that says like party noises. Background noise yes. or whatever. I also, no. I also watched the <laughs> subtitles. Not a single thing. And especially because in the book, we talked about this last time, they like, it's, it's painted in great detail that they are the party elves. They are like doing it up and they are doing it right frequently. And it's like, we never yeah. get to see it. It kind of sucks. But then she also like kind of describes it where she's like, we eat the moon and eat all the sun. I'm like, no, I want to see it. I want to like, yeah. see these guys like getting high off the moon. <laughs> there's a there's a blooper someone sent me of Orlando Bloom that shot where like he, you know, is standing over them. One take he put on like a, a party hat, like a paper <laughs> cone party hat. <laughs> see, I would love to see that. And just that image of like the elves in a field with like regular like human party hats on and maybe like party poppers yes. or something. So much fun. They have like a dwarf shaped uh, pinata. Like I would just absolutely <laughs> love it. And then yeah, as I mentioned, so they yeah, so Tariel and Keely are sitting there and they get to talking and then in like the most obvious I mean I know it I know the rule is show don't tell but I I, I almost wish you would have just told us at that point because the camera like pans out and then over on a on a ledge above them is Legolas looking like I the note I wrote was Legolas creeper shot that's all I wrote he's like so broody and dark in it's in these movies so in weird. a way that 
doesn't really connect with how we see him in Lord of the Rings. Yeah, it's very, and also like in Lord of the Rings, something that was kind of fun about him is that he was like, he had the air of a person who like learned a lot, but then it was like, oh, you must have learned a lot from like books and stories. You're like real world knowledge is is like not particularly co- comprehensive like you're sort yeah. of like a baby in the in the like in the world but like you've heard a million stories and you've got really good eyes or whatever it is and like he thinks he can yeah he thinks he can like hold his own and is like i can handle everything and then like but but what's funny is that he's when you know by the end of these movies he's gone through like a, a lot adventure. of battles and yes. he's killed like all these orcs and and like so so many things i know i, you know? I actually do think it does sort of a disservice to the character that like you know and love like i don't yeah. think it is a backstory that substantiates the character that you love yeah. and like legolas is not my guy like <laughs> i don't know what to say like i like the movies obviously i really like lord of the rings but i'm not like yes legolas i live and die for legolas but even i am sensitive to the fact i'm just like that's not him like come on yeah. like you're not you're not showing me what i really think the- he would have acted like pre yeah. the rings the only reason i can kind of like believe this legolas that they're showing us in the hobbit versus the lord of the rings legolas is that maybe like between the hobbit and lord of the rings he learned to like loosen up and to like not take things so seriously anymore because he's like life is short except for i'm an elf and i live forever, forever. so i'm gonna have fun yeah you know? or it's like that thing when people are like the minute i'm i come home with my parents I immediately like res- like revert to my 15 year old self and maybe he's just like stuck <laughs> acting acting a certain way because he's like oh I'm sorry you know what? I'm so crazy you know around my dad <laughs> maybe like every you know every kid going to college and everything Legolas is just a product of his environment yeah. and his upbringing and looking at the way Thranduil is it makes sense that this Legolas is the way he is yeah. and then spoiler alert it, at the end of Battle of Five Armies Thranduil is like, you should go off and look for a certain ranger. Yeah, <laughs> that part's so funny. He's like, describe him more. It's like, I don't know, tall, uh, beautiful, dirty hair, hot. I don't know. Just like find a guy like that. It's like he could just <laughs> pin you to a tree and <laughs> exactly. make out with you hardcore and you would immediately become pregnant. He could be kissing an elf or something. <laughs> I don't know. Just find just find him. That's a pretty good description. Yeah. His jawline could cut your throat. Yeah, you can sharpen a knife on his jawline. I don't know. Find that oh my guy. God. Um, but yeah, no, Lord of the Rings is basically him going off to college and smoking weed for the first yeah, time. Yeah, so maybe he goes out into the world and he like unlearns some of the, the things and behaviors that Thranduil taught him. Um, I think like it's only natural that after watch after the Lord of the Rings movies have come out and we're familiar with Legolas and we know he's from Mirkwood, I understand why they like brought him into the story because I think watching The Hobbit and they come into Mirkwood and they're literally hanging, you know, talking to Legolas's dad, I think you would naturally be like, so are we going to see Legolas? Yeah. I don't think I'm like anti-seeing Legolas in some way or another. But they didn't have to turn it into a whole plot line for him. He could have just come in and like stayed in Mirkwood, you know? Yeah. And maybe he's like one of the elves that like throws them in the cell. Yeah. And that's it. Or even if like we wanted Toriel to be a big thing, that scene with her leaving and being like, gotta go, gotta go save this guy I love now. He could have even had that scene and been like, my dad's going to be mad at you. And you know how my dad is. And her be like, sorry, I got to risk it. 
I love this guy. He's hot. <laughs> and then, I mean, like, that could have been his only scene. He could have been like, okay, well, I'm going to stay here. I'll, I'll, try and, I'll try and cover for you. Yeah, that's all the time we had for Orlando Bloom. Yeah, that's a series wrap on Orlando Bloom. The whole crew, yeah, exactly. they all get around and they clap. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <gasps> So um, my gripe with this love triangle and everything, oh, which by the way, so the romance between Keely and Tariel had was always intended to be in the movie as early as 2010, and her relationship with Legolas was going to be strictly platonic, but when reshoots were done to turn it into three movies, the studio forced them to write Legolas into the love story and turn it into a love triangle. <sighs> Evangeline Lilly and Peter Jackson admitted they hated the idea of a love triangle and just wanted to tell a simple love story. So the fact that like all these like really forced moments to show us like, hey, it's a love triangle is true to life in that they were forced to do that and therefore they didn't really give them like put much attention into the love triangle. I respect that. I I mean, like, I don't like love the final product. but like, I respect that that wasn't the um, authorial intent, so to speak. Yeah, they didn't want to do that. And it was the studio. Yeah. So the way that I would have done like the love triangle is you establish that like Legolas and Tariel are childhood friends and, you know, they're very playful and close with each other. I literally wrote like this whole long paragraph and then I was like, oh my God, that's actually like a really good idea. write that <laughs> maybe i should call P- peter Jackson yeah up you know what you that. need anyway. we need another hobbit movie do you want to do another take i will direct it let's just get like it. another chance at these hobbits movies. i'll come in i'll write it i'll fix all your problems yeah five movies this time you have them be close friends they've always been and there's always been that undertone of like are we gonna cross this line between friendship and more than friends? You know, whatever. And then all of a sudden, Keely comes in and Toriel finds herself falling for him, but doesn't want to fall for him and is in denial about it. And then finally, Legolas is like, no, you're in love with him, yeah. but I want to see you happy. So you need to go be with him and let's go do that because your feelings for him are more important than my feelings for you and I would rather have my friend be happy. I mean like I feel like that could have been in the movie. Like that could have been in the movies as it is right now. And instead I got like no chemistry between Thranduil and not Thranduil and Legolas. Oh my god! (laughs) Okay very different film. character! Extremely different movie. Tariel and Legolas. I got like no chemistry. That's fine. Lee Pace has chemistry with everybody. Oh my god. And that's his so good i love him so so much good but in a way of like i'm like do am i attracted to you or do i like slightly fear you like a little of everything i my first note that i took when i was taking this was oh darn it i like just missed lee pace by a moment because i didn't know if he was going to come back in the clip that i was watching i was like oh we don't get to see him and then we did which is great but just like he's so good he's such a good actor this is um this is the only movie of the trilogy in which he does not appear on the elk fun fact oh i love the elk we missed it that was a that was a fun little yeah he's so tall he's like six five or something like that oh my gosh he looked yeah he looks really tall yeah so then what happens at the end of this scene i think we we switch to him with the ring on in the like scary gray bilbo yeah (laughs) is like kind of sneaking around trying to get the lay of the land figure out what to do and that's when he overhears the elves talking about like oh we have all this wine and oh these empty barrels are supposed to go to lake town blah blah and then one of them puts the ring of keys up on a hook and he grabs them and sneaks off when he appears to save them the rest of the doors are like oh my 
got Bilbo, our best friend, here to break us out of prison. And I'm like, shut up. I know. And he literally, there's a line where he's like, also, by the way, be quiet. Shut up. (laughs) And I've been joking that the dwarves have five brain cells, like collectively. But like the more and I made that I made that joke like maybe like one time. But there are so many other moments where I'm like, oh, wait, no, they, they have five brain cells collectively. Yeah, I yeah. one thing I remember thinking when I was reading the book is like, I don't think that they all get their own personalities necessarily. They're just oh, yeah. kind of a big company just because. But in a book, it's fine because if you're not literally reading the name. You're probably not picturing them. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. or at least certainly that's how my brain works. I'm not like a super visual person. So if they're like, the company moved this way and Bloin said this, I'm basically only picturing him. So I like everybody else just kind of fades into the background. But when you have a movie and you're constantly seeing them and like some of them don't talk for a while, or if they do, they're just like, hooray. You're like, what? <laughs> Like, what's your contribution to the group here? Mm-hmm. Like, what do you what do you know? What is your skill? Are you really good at fighting, maybe? And like, they never really answer that question in the movie either. So it's like, it just is like a large group of seemingly dumb people sometimes. My goal is that by the end of covering the movies, I'll be able to name each. Like, I know all of the names, but I couldn't can't match the names to the faces. And I'm like slowly piecing it together. I'm like, okay, Balin is the old one. Bofer is the one who has the floppy hat. Love the hat. He kind of like stands out as like the comedic relief of the group. And then obviously Keely and Feely, duh, we know who they are. Gotta know who they are. They're hot. <laughs> Bomber is the fat also one. Also comedic relief in some ways. With the like bright orange beard. And then the one with the kind of bushier, more subdued orange beard is Gloin. Yeah, the one who sounds like he's doing a Gimli impression. Yeah, and then obviously Thorin. So the ones that I don't know yet are Dory, Nori, Ori, Oin, and I'm missing one, I think. And I will not be the person who will know who it is. Point being, my goal is that by the end of covering the movies, I will be able to know who each of the dwarves are without... I'm like not looking it up. Yes, I believe in you. I'm like, I want to be able to piece together from these movies who's who, you know? I I think it is a realistic goal. (laughs) So yeah, Bilbo breaks them out. Um, I should uh, also bring up that in the scene in Mirkwood, that's when in the book, Bilbo reveals to the dwarves that he has this magical ring that turns him invisible. Yes. And I don't think he tells anyone in the movies until like the very end. Yes, he just- When he's talking to Gandalf. They they don't even ask him how he got- keys literally yeah they don't they don't question anything at any point like thank you and that's it (laughs) phenomenal work there's a little sting of music here when bilbo appears at the doors and is like not on my watch or whatever it is he says uh and the theme is so sweet it's like a really good piece of music and it did it did make me feel nice and emotional Bilbo's also, he's getting really good at, like, taking the ring off at, like, just the right moment and popping in with a little quip. Yeah, we love that. I don't want to skip ahead too much, but, like, this segment does have a couple, like, really prime, what feels like dad energy moments for Bilbo, which are fun. I like fully buy that that's true about him. In the way that I was saying, like this doesn't feel like a super true portrayal of who Legolas was pre-Lord of the Rings. This does feel like, I'm like, that's Bilbo. Even if that wasn't in the book, it still feels like so true to like the character that I imagine. Mm -hmm. Him with like his like arms crossed on the boat or like whatever. Like these, all these little quips feel very like 
Yeah. Badly. He's still a little bit, he's still like a little bit fussy, still a little bit like uptight, not like nearly how he was, you know, at the beginning of this, obviously, but like there's still that like hobbity nature yeah. about him. Yeah. So Bilbo tells everyone to get into the barrels and they all like climb in and they're all like, what's happening, Bilbo? And then they all get in and then. Uh, Bofur is the one who pops his head on. I was like, what now? I love that little comedic shot of all of their heads popping yes. out of the barrel to look at Bilbo. And then he says something like, hold your breath or something. I don't know. And then he pulls the lever and they all go down and roll down into the lake below. And this is one of my favorite moments in like, I think all of the, even including the Lord of the Rings movies mm-hmm. is when after they've dropped in, he is so like happy and pleased with himself that he pulled this off. And then he the the door closes and he realizes, oh, I'm still here. <laughs> I'm alone. Yes. It's great <laughs> acting. It's really funny. And it fixes the problem that we talked about when we like did this in the book, which is that like it doesn't feel like Bilbo was so stupid that he wouldn't remember to get into a barrel himself. Like yeah. this like fixes it. A hundred percent because it's like in a way that's believable. Yeah, And also like it makes sense that like, how could somebody pull the lever if they were in a barrel? Okay, fine. I'll stay behind. I'll get everybody out. And then to be like, "Mm hmm, right. Wait, now I need somebody to do that for me. Like it makes perfect sense to me. There's a there's a problem here. Oh, no. Yeah. He just like stops. He has just like a very funny way of like he has a way of crossing his arms that I don't know if I could describe (laughs) in an auditory medium, but he kind of like puts his palms into his um yeah. into his like armpits as opposed to like yeah. crossing it like like a way a normal person would where you're like your hand rests like on your forearm it's like on top of yeah it, mm-hmm. and it, it's so funny every time martin freeman <laughs> has a lot of like very specific physical mannerisms about a lot of his performances yeah that are like across these all feel does- just really real these all just feel really real to me like i just like they yeah. feel like a very realized character and i like appreciate that a lot yeah and it's funny martin freeman is just really really great in this role it's also just like perfect casting i feel like attitude wise but also like having to like evoke ian home but not so much that it's distracting like i think it's just like yeah top notch oh he does such a great job um the thing that i noted in particular is how he fidgets with the ring in yes! his pocket and the way is like the crook of his arm even exactly like the angle of same it yes way that ian holm did it and i was like that's such a great attention to detail yes. for for the and like i don't know if that was something people Peter Jackson instructed him and was like, hey, you need to pay attention to like how he does that. But like the fact that he pulled it off so well is just amazing. Yeah, it's excellent. Also, something that I noted before we moved past the barrels was Mm -hmm. that the I was like, wow, those guard elves went from awake to blackout so fast. Oh, they blacked out. Yeah. But then I remember Legolas in Lord of the Rings having one sip of a drink and being absolutely (laughs) faced. I was like, huh, maybe. No, it's the reverse of that. Oh, no, he's fine. Then what the hell is up with these guys? Yeah, that's a good, because the movies, yeah, there's that, it's an extended edition scene in Return of the King where Gimli and Legolas are having a drink Yes, and he can drink everybody under the table because he's an elf. And then he's like, my fingers are tingling. I think I'm a little inebriated. Right. And then Gimli is like blackout. Absolutely blackout. Okay, so then how these guys get so drunk so fast? It must be, I guess that's just a testament to like how much they drank. That's pretty wild. Or they just, or it's just like 100% alcohol (laughs) wine. (laughs) Yeah. But that was one thing I was like, huh, they got drunk real fast, which I guess if that's hard for them means that they drank 
every single bottle of wine in a 50 Or maybe radios. by the time Legolas gets to where he is in Lord of the Rings, he's built up a tolerance from from this lifestyle. From the party, par- party elf from lifestyle. From the party lifestyle. I like that better, that he built up a really high alcohol tolerance. No, that doesn't make sense, because when, when they have that drinking game, he's like, What's alcohol? Yeah, I know. <laughs> and again, like the part, Merc Order, the party elves. So it's not it like makes sense. Make it make sense. So my my thing is that when I saw when that scene happened for Return of the King, the drinking game, I did not like it. I was like, I think this was better on paper than it was on screen because it was just like a lot of like burping humor and like, oh, aren't they? Isn't Gimli like such a gross drunk and like all these other yeah. things? And I'm like, I don't think this is real. I don't think this like really hit how you guys wanted it to. I think you overplayed it a bit too much and like all these. Other- so like, I didn't really like that scene to begin with. So the fact that like it's not adding up with Mirkwood and everything, and now it doesn't know, make sense at all. I, I'm gonna write some. I'm gonna write some strong words to Peter Jackson at the end of this podcast. He's gotta know. And then Tariel and the rest of the elves realize that the dwarves have broken out, and Bilbo kind of like backs away as they start coming down into the cellar. And he, I don't get how like his weight. He's such a tiny little hobbit, yeah, I don't and know. that was enough. Wi- that must not have been like a very good like platform. Also, then, like, what was the point of the le- of the lever, the lever? Yeah, if if even a teeny little can thing. open it up again, whatever. He falls through the trap door and falls into the water, and everyone's like, "Great, we're all here. Let's get going." Um, and they start floating down the river, and then the alarms are sounded, and we go into our log flume ride. Yay! And like, I say that kind of jokingly. But as we go through this very extended scene and there are all these camera movements of like bad guys coming at you and then like a a sword or an arrow flying like right past like the perspective of the camera and like it feels very much like they made this scene in order to pitch it as like one of those 3D rides. Yeah, there's even like like, one weird shot that's like kind of like a handheld shaky cam that's in the water. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, it looks like they legitimately stuck a GoPro on a barrel and pushed it down a river. Fully different than the rest of the film. And it's so- Distracting. When that shot comes up, and then it goes back to the rest of the movie. It just points out how, how unreal the rest of the the scene is yeah. compared to that shot. I wonder it's- if that was like for the three D element because I do remember these were these were like shot and released in three D. The first time I saw the films, I, I also saw it in three D, and I do remember waking up with the glasses in my lap, which I wonder. <laughs> I that does make me wonder if I like in my sleep took them off like gently and was like, these are yeah. these are annoying. I'm taking a nap. Those now. things never fit correctly anyway. Yeah, you know? but yeah, that was a, that's like a weird shot. I'm glad that you noticed that too, because I was like, yeah, Ew. oh yeah, I, I noticed it immediately, and I was like, it looks like the someone was like, I got a GoPro. Let's let's see what this looks let's like. Use these things, yeah, yeah, and they. And they went to all this effort and then someone was like, we have to use this footage. We, we paid for the GoPros. <laughs> yeah, we have to use the footage. You know, Amazon somehow. said we got just them wet in, so we can't return them anymore. <laughs> just stick in one shot and it'll be fine. Exactly. Um, the, the gates close and they block all of the dwarves in and they're just kind of like floating in their barrels. Keely jumps up uh, to get the lever to open the gates and that's when the orcs attack. And at this point, the dwarves are basically 
basically sitting ducks and none of them die. Like they're literally all just corralled into this one spot. And they're all fine. And none of them die. The worst thing that happens is Keely goes to pull the lever and he gets shot in the thigh. And for some reason, not that I've ever been shot (laughs) in the thigh with an arrow, so I don't know that pain, but he has the same reaction as Boromir getting shot to the chest, chest and dying. I do actually agree with that. And I'm like, okay, but instead of falling down, at least just like go forward and grab the lever and then fall down or fall forward onto the lever. Like this is really contrived. I agree with that. And it's also that Toriel can come in and save him because he's collapsed on the ground from an orc that's like coming to attack him because then Toriel and the rest of the elves come in. Yeah, I mean, I the, literally the note that I wrote and God bless him because he is my favorite. I said that they needed somebody to give Frodo syndrome too so like they had to have somebody fall down a lot have someone fallen over contractually they legally had to have somebody fall down a lot contractually and so he was assigned that role in this franchise because you know we have to all we all have to worry if they're gonna be okay this this gentle little boy and so unfortunately keely was was given that honor this time around Mm -hmm. but yeah i agree it's like it's and then later they like snap the arrow off at his leg uh, which is like arguably probably as painful uh, and he's like oh my god and he's kind of goes like ouch and then he's like fine i <laughs> hate that moment when it happened because i remember when so he gets shot in in the thigh and there's just gi- it's like a giant arrow that's sticking out and i remember thinking like how is he going to get back in the barrel with that i was like he's got to like pull it out or something i don't know yeah, and he when he slides back in, the arrow like either snaps in half when it hits the rim of the barrel or it pulls out. And he does like scream in pain, but just the idea of like it being ripped, I like my entire body cringes. It's pretty gross. It, I hate it. Ah. Um I kind of wish that moment of him like jumping up to get the lever had been a moment for Keely and Feely because I going into this, I thought that Keely and Feely were going to be a lot more Fred and George and we were going to yeah. see a lot more like dynamic duo moments of them like playing off of each other. And, and they're, they're, like, they're like, set up that way. They've got a, they got a co-introduction. They have fun little mannerisms they both do. But yeah, once yeah. we introduce the love storyline, we're sort of like, and Feely is also alive for now. Oh, poor yeah. Feely. And oh man, I have feelings on that. It's so <laughs> sad. Um, yeah, so he eventually does pull the, the, the lever and the gates open. We have this very gratuitous battle scene of them floating down the these like white water rapids with the orcs following them on the sides with the elves following the orcs killing them and legolas is like going into like prime legolas mode they're like really showing off like isn't legolas a cool warrior dude (laughs) isn't he a cool guy and like it gets to be too much for me to the point where i was like this movie isn't about legolas this isn't like the moment to be like look at how cool all of our battle sequences are and look at how cool we like choreographed stuff for this character. We already saw that. We already did that. I would much rather see like those cool combat things go to the dwarves who are the characters that like we're supposed to care more about. Especially especially because you are now two movies in and you still don't know whose name is who. So for us to be like, and also by the way, Legolas is like pretty silly because like Bomber gets to do something fun and that's kind of it. And if that, yeah. that's like his moment and then like nobody else gets a moment. And I don't 
I don't really even like that moment that much because I think it goes on for it goes on for way too. So the moment we're referring to, listeners, is um, there's a, a a barrel gets like launched up, and then it's just like rolling down the like banks next to the river. And I noticed, I, I think the reason I was like, this is going on too long is because the music all of a sudden cuts out and then it comes back in later. And it's like, for me, it's, it was really noticeable, like the silence. And then yeah. I was like, wow, he's been rolling in this barrel for a while. And then the barrel breaks and he, it is kind of like a funny comedic moment. He like shoves his arm through the barrel and becomes like a little fighting machine in the barrel. Yeah. And it's fun. It could have been... That could have been the only moment, but whatever. It goes on for, because that's the thing is this scene goes on for like another like, like three or four minutes after that. Yeah. It's just a lot of like, look at the, look at how like cool this, this battle sequence is because we're like following it down a river. Isn't this cool? And I think it was fun, but I think they did, I think they did like way too much of it. I mean, that could basically be the tagline for this for this entire franchise is like <laughs> it was it was fun, fun but, but they much. did way too much of it like that's way that's too much. the whole thing like every single it's not like the moments themselves are deeply misguided for them to be like hey in the book literally the barrels go downstream and that's it can we make this more exciting yeah that's not a bad thought for a movie no. but like it just is so extraneous and then it's like wait a minute, if there's orcs, would the elves really care about the dwarves at all? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I feel so confused of just like, wait a minute, are they hunting the orcs and the dwarves? Or are they like, okay, nix on the dwarves, only kill the orcs. Like, it's so mishmashy. And also like, I know that I'm sure people have said this already, but it's like never more obvious than in this scene. But like the orcs have no weight at all. Like the CGI of the orcs, like they don't Mm -hmm. seem to weigh anything. And they are like jumping and flying and splashing into the also water. Worth, worth mentioning, there's no um, shield surfing moment, but there is a moment where Legolas jumps on the body of an orc and like skates it down some stairs. It's kind of fierce, actually. <laughs> but yeah, it's just like, it's so, it's so distracting just because it's like, they're like, oh, we have to cut a, a tree branch to make them fall in and the orcs like fall in the water and like don't even splash. And you're like, I'm supposed to be scared of them. They're supposed to be like these like enormous scary beasts and like the way that they're moving they feel so fake and they feel so like insubstantial it just feels so obvious here it's like ugh, cgi yeah also there's a moment where legolas is um fighting off some orcs and then there's one that comes up behind him and thorin throws a a sword at the orc behind legolas and saves him and I get that this is really only to set up a parallel for Legolas doing a very similar thing in the next movie. Yeah. But there's no reason for why Thorin would save Legolas at yeah. this point. Or even be looking at him. Like, yeah. he'd be like, I got to save my own ass. I mean, like, that's his whole character line is that, like, he's like, I don't give a shit about anybody else. I'm here on a mission. I'm here for my guys and that's it. Let's go. No talking to strangers. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's so, like, out of character even for, like, you know, we're like, oh, he's so single-minded. I mean, whatever. Um, The dwarves all start floating off, and the, like, pack of orcs is chasing after them, and Legolas and Tariel, there's one orc left who I don't know if this is supposed to be Bolg, 
who is the son of Azog, who they like called in at the uh, beginning of this. Uh, there was a scene with the orcs towards the beginning of the movie when they're like, Bog! And then oh, he like yeah. storms in or whatever. Hey, I don't know if that's supposed to be him or not. Um, but anyway, they Legolas says this one we keep alive. And again, I was like, this is just not the same. Like this Legolas is so dark. And yeah. like, I don't think the Lord of the Rings Legolas would have been like, oh, we're going to take this orc back and interrogate him. Yeah, but you know? this orc was contractually contractually obligated to set up the next movies, as we will learn later. Yes. Yeah. He had it. He had it in his contract. <laughs> he needed to say him. those words. Uh, yeah. We needed him. Mostly unprompted, too. Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll see. We'll see in a bit. Yeah. <laughs> He basically goes into like the Galadriel monologue from the top of the Lord of the Rings, just like on his own of his own volition. You're like, okay, 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 we've had enough of this. (laughs) Yeah. Then we cut to scenes that we both (laughs) just like stop paying attention. Just checked out. Every single time they cut to whatever Gandalf is doing in this part uh, of of this movie and then in the next movie, really. I just lose interest. And uh, I think it's because uh, I've said on on previous episodes, I think it's because I know like everything that he's about to do, like with the nine men slash Morgul, whatever, and and this shadow being that is the necromancer that we know grows into Sauron, you know, like we know what comes of all of that later. And therefore, whatever they're going to do in this movie and these scenes has no effect. So I'm not really paying attention. And it's also just hard because it's like, it's just sort of Ian McKellen wandering around by himself. And he's like a great actor. So like no shade. But it's like, how many times can I just like watch him run his hand over a wall before I'm like, just checked out like that's not even his he does fault. that so many it's times just like close-up shots yeah. of his fingers running over a stone wall and i'm like i can't see this again <laughs> the way that i write my notes is i'll like section them all i'm podcaster yes. can't see it wow. I- i'll like section them off with like the i don't know a tight a title for whatever that scene is and i wrote dole golder maybe because i didn't know where he was who knows and then later on, they're like, these are the tombs of blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, okay, this is not Dolgulder. It's just a dark Just a dark place. place. Yeah. Whatever. Stone crumbling dark place. Yeah. It's just not good. I did write two things for this scene and only two. The first one is I wrote, I think I'm a Radagast apologist because I know it falls into two camps for you. So I think I think I am. It's okay. It's okay. I found out I'm in the minority. I'm in the minority that I think Radagast is annoying. And so when he pops up and says, why am I here? Yeah, you were like, I know. Why? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. (laughs) But he's there. So he doesn't have to just like run his fingers over a stone wall by himself for five minutes. Exactly. Well, we need that audience replacement because otherwise, because Gandalf is doing all this like internal thinking of like, oh, okay, I see now these are the nine tombs of the nine men and they're all broken out of and if we didn't have Radagast to be like what's going on we'd be like yeah Gandalf what yeah, is, what going, is going on, on? <laughs> um so that's fine by me but I did tell you because I you had also posted a similar sentiment that you had like sort of checked out at this moment and I was like I too found that at this moment I had paused it for about 20 minutes and fallen down a rabbit hole of watching people do Sarah Silverman impressions on Instagram 
I don't know why. I'm not like a mega fan. I like cannot even tell you how my brain got there. But that was like, that's so funny. And 20 minutes later, I was like, oh, my God, I'm watching The Hobbit. Like, <laughs> it's like, so weird. Yeah, I, I like got a text message and I paused it and I like was around here. And then I was like, oh, shoot, I need to like be taking notes for this. I'm recording on this tomorrow. And then I was like, well, I'm sure I'm almost done watching this section anyway. I've been watching it for a while. Nope. And then I was like, no, that was seven minutes. <laughs> yeah, I got, and I did not take any other notes on that section, unfortunately. So, just kind um, of um, the things to note from this scene, yeah, Gandalf gets to this dark, mysterious, abandoned place, almost falls over ledges like four times. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Radagast pops up out of nowhere. Then this is where I literally just... So this is my third time watching up to this point in the movies. I watched all the movies once, like the first time through. I watched them all because we were covering them on Bacon and Eggs. And then this time watching this part was the third time. It was the first time I connected the dots of like, oh, these tomb, like these cells that have all these broken bars are the nine men that were corrupted by the rings and turned into ring wraiths and they've broken out yeah. and have and, and you know are risen from the dead oh <laughs> and like i do think that that's kind of cool like lore wise i don't think it's like super well explained in general yeah i think it also was just that the first couple times i wasn't really paying, paying attention. attention yeah for sure <laughs> you know the first when they were talking about the tombs and like the nine i was like i was like yeah sure i also kind of was like are we talking about like the people who got the rings at first like i kind of was like trying to like i was like i'm trying to flash back into being in like the gladriel monologue i was like okay sp yeah. sp speak to me kate blanchett like talk talk in my brain and then i was like okay maybe not you know what i mean like it was too much to try and sort of like piece together all at once I also kind of was like, oh, is what's his name that powerful right now? Uh, but I guess so. Growing yeah. in power, definitely. <laughs> what, and by what's his name, I mean, of course, Sauron. Sauron yeah. <laughs> a very uh -huh. important character. <laughs> and Gandalf is like, well, that sucks. Um, I need to get back to the dwarves because I, you Have know, a thing I, kind to of do. I kind of abandoned them. Radagast is like, bro, this is kind of serious. Shouldn't we do something about this? And Dumbledore. Yep, that's me. I just referred to Gandalf as Dumbledore, completely, unironically, and unintentionally. And I bet you're wondering how I got here. It started in 2007. Deathly Hollows had just come out. Says, you want me to cast my friends aside? And I was like, you've literally done that so many other times where you just abandon whatever group to go on your own side mission. It happens all the time. Yeah, he loves to have side missions. His whole thing is about side missions. Yeah. And then he'll just be like, I'm so sorry. I got, I'm late. I was picking up Starbucks. It took a long a time. Busy. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's what's funny is that, you know, reading The Hobbit, he comes in at the end. It's like, sorry, I'm late. I was picking up Starbucks. Yeah. But then watching the movie, you get the perspective of like, sorry, I'm late. I was driving to Starbucks and then a peacock ran into yes, the middle of the road exactly. and I swerved to hit it. And then I ran into a fire <gasps> hydrant and the fire hydrant exploded and it flooded the entire neighborhood and a building collapsed. And I had to go into the building and say, you know, That's so funny. there's like so much more to the yeah, story. Yeah, it's basically like his like Looney Tunes style. Like you wouldn't believe what happened to me today when I was trying to get Starbucks. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah. And, and then at the very end, you he gets a Starbucks and he has to like turn around and go back because it was like skim milk and not oat milk. And you're like, no, can't <laughs> You're so close. Uh, um, we go back to the dwarves who are floating. So now they're the river flow has slowed down exponentially. It's a very still river. And somehow the orcs they lost them ran the or- I'm like, how though? Yeah, like, on a one way they- river. I was like, how did the orcs lose sight of them? Unless, like, there was a part of the land that, like, they couldn't run alongside the river any longer. But, like, the last we saw them, the orcs were running directly behind the dwarves. I mean, and that's similarly a question I have about elves, like, in general, which is why I was like, okay, when the elves saw the orcs, were they like, forget about the dwarves. Who cares about the dwarves? Let's kill these orcs. Because... If all elves are like Legolas and can see for like three miles, they'd be able to be like, oh, yeah, the dwarves are there. We should go get them because they're our prisoners. Or were they just like, oh, whatever. But you, but it's like they seem to outrun two major foes by simply staying in a straight line for a yeah. while. They all, you know, get on shore and Keely has this moment. I think it was, I thought it was kind of funny where like he's like really grimacing in pain and he's like trying to like staunch the blood flow on his wound. And then as soon as someone sees him, he's like, I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a cool, I'm a cool dude. I'm not in pain. I think that's I'm fun. not in an immense amount of pain. Yeah. I thought it was a fun moment. Again, it's like uh, that like, thing of like, thing for him. The like old dwarf versus new dwarf. Like old dwarf is like super traditional by the book. We like whatever. And then a like, new dwarf is like, no, nah, it's cool. It's cool. It's chill. I'm like, I'm going to deal with it myself. Well, yeah. I'm fine. I'm fine. Yeah. Uh, Thorin is like, okay, we need to keep going. They are kind of like regrouping, regathering themselves. And then we get this very mysterious shadow figure comes out of nowhere and, and goes to, for whatever reason, goes to shoot the dwarves. I don't understand like why he's like coming out. Like when we learn about his character. Yeah, why is he going to shoot the, them? Why does he go to shoot them? That doesn't really make sense. But whatever. I love a good dramatic, mysterious entrance for one of my favorite characters in the book, considering that we knew nothing about him in the book, essentially. Very true. Yeah. So this dude comes in and we don't know his name yet, but it's Bard, everyone. Our homeboy Bard is here and he looks like Will Turner. He really does. When he first appeared, my first one, I was like, wait, he's hot? I was like, you got, no one told me Bard was hot. This is outstanding news. They really like went out of their way, I feel, to like costume him in a hot way and his like wig is hot. They like went out of their way to be like, and by the way, he's hot. And then like, as the movie is going on, I was like, he just like, he looks so familiar. I can't quite place my finger on it. He's kind of giving me Antonio Banderas vibes. (laughs) I'm like, what's going on? And my friend I was watching it with goes, he looks, he looks like Will Turner and I was like he looks like Will Turner he looks like Will Turner and Inigo Montoya yeah there's like a it's like a real solid cross-section of those two characters exactly yeah and so I was like how did how did they have Orlando Bloom in this cast and then how did they costume Bard to look the way he did and not a single person was like hey do you know who this looks don't like don't you think <laughs> yeah or maybe they did and they were like that's great maybe, let's roll with it maybe maybe what women want is two Orlando two Blooms. Orlando Blooms in one movie against yeah. all odds yeah exactly <laughs> two Orlando's against the world the science said it couldn't be done but it could <laughs> yeah. 
Anyway, yeah, Balin comes up and is like, oh, you're the bargeman that the those elves were talking about who is supposed to get these barrels. You're going to Lake Town. And then in this scene is when I was like, oh, wait, no, 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 no. The dwarves collectively have five brain cells and they all belong to Balin. Correct. Because he does a really good job of being like, your coat is really worn down and those shoes have seen better days. I'm sure you're like working really hard to provide for your family. How many kids you got? And he's like, a boy and two girls. And then he's like, I bet your wife is beautiful. And he's, you know, trying to like smooth talk yeah. their way or whatever. And then we get tragic backstory. Tragic backstory. First scene. She was. Yeah. And I was like, oh, he's a single father with a tragic past? Yeah, they're okay. trying to, they're really setting it up. Okay, Bard, I am immediately in love. <laughs> well, <laughs> no more questions asked. Just wait till you meet his three kids with all different accents. <laughs> Genuinely obsessed oh, with I that. don't think I ever noticed that. I'll wow. have to pay attention to that more. They all could not speak more differently if they That's tried. So I'm obsessed with it. There's like, a, there's a line later that I wrote down specifically because I was like, how did no one notice? Uh, they're children. <laughs> they're kids. Whatever. They're kids. It's just so yeah. funny. So uh, Balan's like, okay, well, I'm sorry I reminded you of all the pain in your life. Anyway, we'll pay you double if you smuggle us into Lake Town. Because Bard's like, I know these barrels come from Mirkwood. It They are clearly all damaged. Like, so what the hell did you guys do? <laughs> you did not leave Mirkwood on good terms with the elves. I don't want to piss them off. And so they're like, okay, we'll pay you double. Please smuggle us into Lake Town. We go back to Mirkwood, where Thranduil is, and Legolas and Tariel are interrogating this orc. And Legolas, yeah, this whole scene, again, is just, he's just like so dark and brooding and, and everything. And I'm just like, I feel like the Legolas, the Legolas I know, wouldn't be interrogating an orc. Yeah. I, I always find like interrogation scenes tend to be just like, very weirdly written. I feel like in almost all genres, I always feel like people act so bizarrely out of character because it's like they even get a moment in this one where the orc is like, I'm going to kill your hot little dwarf boyfriend. He's going to die. And Toriel is like explodes with anger. And I'm like, yeah, what? I'm like, I have never seen. And also like, how did he know? Yeah, he says unprompted because they're like, why are you chasing the 13 dwarves? Yeah, weird. And it's like, why did you need to specify 13? Because then he goes, not 13 any, you know, anymore. We shot the, he says, like, the dark-haired one. And I'm like, a lot of them so many have, of dark them have dark hair. hair. Cause that could be Thorin. <laughs> that could be literally anybody. It could be anyone. We shot the dark-haired one with um, Morgul poison, or something, yeah. whatever. And he's like, it's poisoned. He'll be dead by sundown. And I'm like, literally no one asked. But okay, thanks for that information. Yeah, so it's like, why did he volunteer that information? And then- that's bad writing. And then her like exploding with anger at him and like almost killing him feels so out of character for what we know of her too. Yeah, and then Thranduil is like, Tariel, get out of here. Clearly you can't hold your temper or whatever. That moment right there is just enough motivation for her to run out after them because she, so she leaves the interrogation and then everything they talk about afterwards, she's not around to hear. So it's not like she could later be like, oh, well, I wanted to stop 
the impending doom on the world. Yes, or they literally afterwards. Talk about it. Yeah, afterwards, his contract kicks in where he has to to foreshadow Lord of the Rings. She didn't even hear that. Yeah, he again pretty unprompted is like, "Death will come to the whole world," and like, "I'm serving the one." Obviously, like we interpret that to be Sauron, and then. Something happens that causes Thranduil to decapitate him. And I wonder if Peter Jackson had like a decapitation quota he had to fill for each movie. It's kind of absurd how often it happens to the point where I'm desensitized to it. Yeah. And it happens real quick. (laughs) And then Legolas is like, Dad, uh, why'd you do that? Why did you do that? (laughs) Um, So fun fact, the only time Legolas blinks is when uh, he realizes he has been wounded. I don't remember when that happens, so maybe it happens later. And when Thranduil beheads the orc they are interrogating. This is keeping in character with the only time Legolas blinks on the Lord of the Rings trilogy is when he is strongly surprised. Learning that trivia, I was watching, I'm like paying more attention to Legolas's blinking habits. That freaks and me out. I don't out. necessarily think it was like, okay, Orlando, we're going to film this scene and don't you can't blink. blink. Yeah. I think it like just so I think that was a trivia thing that like just so happened to work out of like Legolas only blinks when he's surprised. And also his eyes are so insanely blue. blue. Yeah. Which would mean you usually blink a lot because they're so sensitive. It's like, and they're always like wide open too. That freaks me out because like, you know, know, like when like lizards or other like amphibians don't blink, but they like will rehydrate their eyes by like licking their eye. Like that's what I feel like is happening off camera. (laughs) I don't like it. Um, Thranduil, actually, I don't even remember. He, for, I don't remember why, but he orders the, the gates to be shut. So Legolas goes to give this order and the guards at the front are about, or say, what about Toriel? And he's like, what about her? <laughs> and then, and that's when we find out that she ran off into the woods armed with her bow and a knife or whatever. And Legolas is like, ah, she's going after that dumb boy. Yeah. God damn it. I have to go save my that's friend. That's why we had to have that creeper shot of him or whatever it was. Yeah. We see, we see the orcs tracking after the dwarves and they like taste the blood that Keely left behind and they're like, hate that dwarf blood. And then, classic orcs what's that smell man flesh they do love to say that again i just got this watch through that when they say there's a smell i don't know oh it's man flesh they're they're referring to bard whereas i was like oh they're when they're like in a smell i don't recognize i was like oh bilbo because he's a hobbit and hobbits never go anywhere now that's what i would have thought too yeah. I guess they have been tracking him now for a whole movie, but it's like I would not assume that orcs have had ever any interaction with hobbits because they don't with leave hobbits their are. home. So that's also kind of what I thought too. Yeah. So yeah, they love that man flesh smell. Mm. And we don't, even though it's like very brief, there are all these scenes, um, very brief like cuts to the orcs showing what they're doing. Uh, on their side of the story and I don't really need to know I'm just gonna automatically assume that they're following the dwarves yeah I don't tracking them somehow I don't think anybody cares what they're doing there's nobody out there who's like I really need to check back in with the orcs and see what what's up with those guys what are they doing yeah 
the dwarves are all on the boat now with Bard. Uh, there's a moment where like he almost hits something and they're like, watch out. What are you trying to do? Kill us? And he's like, I grew up on these waters. I know them like the back of my hand. They don't trust him. And I'm like, maybe let's not insult this guy that is smuggling you into town and like he has three kids and his wife is dead like maybe let's not insult him (laughs) it does feel true of the dwarfs kind of because like i remember we were talking about the book portion that we that i read that we were discussing together it was sort of like okay at what point are you going to just chill out and trust that bilbo is a useful member of the team it yeah. does feel kind of right that they're just like, hey, whoa, watch you stupid human. And he's like, hey, like, I also me. can do this. I like do this professionally. It does kind of track. Know your place. I am Will Turner, son of bootstrap Bill Turner. The These C's are in my blood. Yeah. Whatever. Bilbo, such a small character moment from him. Uh, like they're, they're like, he, like that man, whatever. And then he's like, Bard. His name is Bard. And they're like, how do you know his name? He's like, uh, I, asked I asked him. him. It's so funny. And it like sets him up as like being like a useful member of the team because he has like any semblance of social skills. Yeah. But it's also it's such a hobbit thing. Yes. Such a like rule of politeness that he would be you like, You would What's never your name? accept hospitality from somebody and not bother to learn their name. And I I love that. The dwarves start putting together all their money that they're gonna give to Bard. And uh, Gloin is holding out, and I'm like, "Y'all are going to get a treasure. Just give your yeah, <laughs> just like come on, give guys. all your money. Like, what does it matter?" And then they see off in the the distance, like in the mist, they see the misty mountain, and they've never been as close to it as they are now, and that kind of puts it into perspective. And that so was cute. then they're all like, "Here, take my money, take all of it." You know, I like that. That was a good character yeah. moment. I felt also. Uh, they approach a checkpoint, I don't know, and yeah. <laughs> all of the dwarves, they all get back in the barrels. Okay, and this is where I question. 13 dwarves went into 13 barrels because there weren't any barrels left over, and they were all filled, and Bilbo did not have a barrel. So where did he go? Also, at least one barrel was destroyed in the battle. Oh, yeah, at least one. That's very true. So I'm like, where did the rest of these barrels come from? That's a really good question. It's a point that doesn't matter ultimately in the grand scheme of this of this movie. No. I guess but he could have had some extras the on the boat from? for the fish or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, yeah who knows, whatever. But just pointing it out, where did the barrels come from? The point. They all hide in the barrels and Bard pays these guys to cover everyone with fish. So these fish were mostly real fish with a few rubber props mixed in. Wow. And at one point, Adam Brown, who plays Ori no clue who that dwarf is couldn't tell you had as much as 400 pounds of fish dumped directly on him and he hates fish and had to fight his own phobia while buried in them in the barrel ew yeah since the fish were slippery they had to be taken out one at a time and by hand i guess and so he just sat there in this barrel <laughs> in a barrel of his own fears what fun times on these movie That's sets terrifying. huh <laughs> yeah Actors, yeah, actors are crazy people. Yikes, yeah. This plan works and they go into Lake Town. I love the music and the introduction of Lake Town, like whatever that music is. And even though this setting isn't a physical setting, uh, especially like on the wide shots, I think it's CGI. I still like it. It's still fun. It feels right. And like we haven't had like a 
uh, nautical location, really. Like, we haven't had, like, a seaside yeah. town. So that was fun. Yeah. We get this introduction to Alfred. I can't remember his last name, but it's something like Lickhole. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it's that. I sincerely hope his name is Alfred sure, Lickhole. I'm pretty sure it has the word lick in it. Um, I love it. And we just did not need this character in the slightest. Not it is a complete addition from the book. And the thing is, is that a lot of the things that he does and after Smaug and everything, a lot of the things that he does are things that the master does where he tries to save face and kind of like changes his alliances and is trying to get like the town on his side and like the masters kind of sleazy and stuff. We didn't need to see that in a separate side character who in Battle of Five Armies takes up an annoying amount of screen time. Way, 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 way too much screen time. Way too much screen time. It's absurd. And again, and like, like, it feels like Ebenezer Scrooge. Like, it doesn't even feel like of the same it, level so of, like... It's so cartoonish. Yes, which, like... It's so cartoonish. I, I, what's his name? Stephen Fry? Is that his name? Uh, yeah, Stephen Fry is the master. Yes. And so, like... I don't know who plays Alfred. I don't think that he's, like, a bad actor or anything, but, like, no, he, he plays he just, plays the part really well. But also he still feels like of a different universe. He feels like yeah, he does not feel like any character that we've met before or will meet later. Like they all just yeah. feel a little bit like master of the house. Yeah, like that's how they he feel. He does to me. feel very, very reminiscent of Tenardier. You're so right. And it's like, and it's so weird that like in another world, they're like, my brain's been poisoned by an evil little warlock. And it's like, I want money. <laughs> it's like oh okay same same stakes <laughs> i don't know it's yeah strange. I, I don't i don't even know again yeah. i don't think it's like an actor problem so like no i think it's they wrote a very annoying character to be like isn't it funny how all these men in power have these sleazy skis balls on the side influencing and manipulating right. them isn't that but funny one of them is so scary and the other one is like just a goon we've already seen worm tongue and like the way that that played out with that character and that plot was done so much better yeah. than it was done here. So like we don't need to see we don't need to see this again. And we knew what he wanted. Like we knew that like if he if he were to gain power, this is what he would do and how he would manipulate it. And so you're like, okay, I believe you. You're scary for those reasons. And this guy, like, I can't tell if he wants money. I don't know what he wants. That's the other thing. I don't really know. I think he just like wants to be on the side of anyone who is currently yeah. in power. Master of the know? house. Tenardier. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Well, at least the Tenardier is they want money, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so Alfred, so it seems like everything's going fine. And then Alfred comes in and is like, wait a minute. You're a bargeman. You're not permitted to... Um, I like the accent. I say it's go annoying. for it. No, I'm I'm ditching it immediately. <laughs> um, I don't want to. I don't want future me to listen to it and be like, "Why did you do that?" Yeah, Alfred pops up and is like, "You're not licensed to carry fish, so we're gonna dump all of it." And then right as they're about to dump over the barrels, and this is a great. These are all great character moments. That again, Bard. The first time we see him is the chapter where 
Smaug is killed. Right. So all of these moments are new things that they've added. And it's the I think it's like the one thing that they added into the movies that I really genuinely enjoy. Mm -hmm. And I think makes sense for them um, to like set up who this character is. And so he it kind of shows that like he's smart and he's also able to like hold his own against Alfred and, and and everything and he's like you know everyone's gonna be pretty mad when they hear the master was dumping out all these barrels of fish when you know it's almost the dead of winter and you're gonna have starving people knocking down your door and I'm gonna tell them what you did with all these barrels of fish just because you didn't like me and then he's like fine I guess you can go in but I know where you live and then Bart's like it's a small town we yeah everyone knows where everyone I know is. where you live also but thank yeah. you for the feedback <laughs> yeah. and we see more of Lake Town as they start um paddling and rowing in further we get a shot of some pugs yeah which is so weird it is, to see because like I feel like I think we may have seen dogs, but they were like hunting dogs. Like the idea of pugs being in Lake Town, it feels like I, that would make sense for me. What now? I'm just in a um, Pirates of the Caribbean mindset because <laughs> of Will Turner. But like, it would make sense for them to like dock at some random town, you know, pirate town, and there are some pugs there because that's the real world. But it's like, how did how they get there? how did Middle Earth get pugs? And also, like, how did they like how did they breed these pugs? Yeah, to be like the flat nosed are... ones that like are like the show dogs. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But either way, I'm happy they're there. Um, oh god, maybe I'm not because I just realized that like this town gets demolished by Smaug later. They're fine, they they're fine, they're fine. It's fine. It's they're fine. totally it's fine. fine. It's fine, it's fine. Um There's a shot of Bard's kids and two pugs. <laughs> they're totally okay. <laughs> Um, we see the master and he wakes up and Alfred is there like groveling at his side and he is planting these seeds of like, oh, you know, unrest is growing and all this trouble. There's even talk of an election. And they're like, what? Democracy? Not here. <laughs> okay. Thanks for the <laughs> thanks for the scene I needed. Yeah. Um, uh, however, it is at least fun because Stephen Fry is very good in this role. So it is at least fun to like see that. But yeah, we don't. The only reason we need this scene is because it's Alfred. Again, again, we're showing like, oh, look at this little like servant whispering in the ear of the leader isn't isn't that like so reminiscent of something else (laughs) wink wink does that remind you of anything it's like yeah but like you did it way better the other time and this is terrible right we don't need this alfred is like i think it was i think the one leading all of this trouble is bard i think it's i think it's him and so then he's like fine you know set my spies loose and they're because the the next scene as they're like coming into town and the people are seeing the dwarves like get off the boat and walking around and they're all with Bard. There's this sequence of events of all of these people doing these signals. And I'm like, how did they set that up so quickly? So fast. It's kind of like so fast. it's, It's like the inevitable conversation of like the torches being lit. I'm just like, was that guy already up there? 
was he up there all the time? Yeah. <laughs> That's like, that is this equivalent of just being like, oh, was he just already waiting there to like send the hand signal? Like, uh, Yeah. And like, do they, I was also like, well, what's in it for all these people who have been assigned to spy on Bard? Yeah, like, they just, surely the master, what we know about him, surely he's not paying them no, for this. But it's like the guy so who, like, who sleeps at the top of the mountain. It's like, just in case the beacons are lit. He's like, yeah. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. I'm ready to light the beacons also. That's yeah. that's them in this world. It's so odd, so odd. Um, however, we get a cameo from Stephen Colbert. Yeah, and can I tell you one thing? It's distracting. So, had it not been for the fact that someone told me that Stephen Colbert, I would never have put it together that it was Stephen Colbert. So, oh, listeners, if you don't know. Stephen Colbert has a cameo in this movie. Surprise. Um, he is the guy who has an eye patch and he like flips it down and then knocks a staff or something or whatever on a window. I didn't. Yeah. So I didn't notice that was Stephen Colbert at all. So I didn't find it distracting. I mostly just thought it was very delightful that he's such a massive such fan a boy of Lord of the Rings. That's what I was going to say is like, I do find it a little distracting, but I also don't really care because if somebody was like, do you want to be a hobbit in this like Lord of the Rings, like Amazon series? I would be like, what do you want? Heck yeah. I'd be like, what do you want to take from me? I'll give you literally anything. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, I'm happy that he's immortalized in this like yeah. thing that has like shaped his life. Yeah. Um. Cause if you, if you, Ever, if you ever need to like feel better about the world or, or anything, just watch literally any time Stephen Colbert has interviewed a Lord of the Rings actor or Peter Jackson or anytime he's like talking about Lord of the Rings or Tolkien. It's so wholesome. Yeah, he knows because everything. his joy is so genuine and like in particular, so most recently he had Dominic Monaghan and Billy Boyd on and he did an impression of the, you know, what about second breakfast? And Billy Boyd was like, that was really good. Oh, that's and so the cute. way that Stephen Colbert's face lights up and he's like clearly like the little boy again reading Tolkien or whatever and the fact that like he's interviewed like presidents and yeah. you know, all these other like insanely notable people and kept his cool but Billy Boyd saying your impression of Pippin saying second breakfast was good is the thing that, that would like, that would blow my mind also genuinely so he's He's so, there's just nothing like someone being really passionate about something that they care intensely about. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's why it's like, I don't care that I know that it was him. I'm happy that he's happy. <laughs> yeah. like, he deserves happiness in this world. I don't know how, what else could possibly a, make you happy. He's a millionaire, this. but. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, sure, you can give me some of your millions of dollars, but. Whatever, have fun but... <laughs> yeah no I think that's great and I also would like lose my mind if somebody was like your impression of that was really good I'd be like mm, I can die I now it. thank you okay. <laughs> thank you I can die a boy comes out and yells da yep one accent the amount of times they they scream da in this movie and the next movie is absurd yeah it's one of those things it where just... it's like I, I think it's good because it feels like one of those things where like you committed to it on paper and on paper it was a good choice because you were like, this is good. It feels like a regionalism. It gives them a yeah. sort of down that's like not quite so like 
proper like the elves or whatever being like a father and it's like duh yeah that's cool it's sort of like Gloucestershire northern England we love yeah. it but then when you hear somebody say it enough times you're like I think we've made a grave mistake yeah it's like we really need to drive it home this is these kids father duh. This, it's this, their da. Yeah, it's their da <laughs> anyway this boy runs in this is Bane Definitely not Dane. I definitely did not say Dane, who is an entirely different character, despite the fact that these names are one letter different. There's too many names in this series. One of his sons, who was played by John Bell, and fun fact, he grew six inches between the time that principal photography ended and shooting began. Wow. So for most of shooting, he just had to bend down so that the continuity would be the same. That's that you can't work with kids. Yeah, can't work with kids. Um, And he's like, the house is being watched. That's when they go into this plan of they somehow send the dwarves into their house through the toilet. Yes. And that was another really good example of the oldest daughter having a very specific and very different accent than everybody else because she had a very specific line where she said something, something coming out of the toilet. It was like very specific. I was like, wow, that's an accent that nobody else has shared because they were all like some <laughs> shade of British, but she was like a very specific kind of British. It was like coming yeah. out of the toilet. <laughs> I was like, all right, interesting, interesting. Come out um, of the toilet. Yeah. Yeah. Like, mm, um, all right. Yes, they all sneak in and... I'm like, wait, so does that mean they pee and poop directly into, into the, the water? Lake? Yeah. <laughs> A really good question that I also What? It's, what is happening here? Yeah, that doesn't make a lot of sense, especially since they're like a fishing town. Um, the roles of S- Sigrid, is that how they say it? I don't know. S- Sigrid, whatever, and Tilda are played by Peggy and Mary Nesbitt, who are the daughters of James Nesbitt, who plays Bofer, one of the dwarves. And they're really related. And they're really, yeah. So oh, that's cute. the girls are actually sisters, and they're the daughters of one of the dwarves. And I think that's that's like so cute. I think it's adorable. Nepotism, nepotism at work, whatever. They're really adorable though. Sometimes, but they're adorable and it works and it's fine. Sometimes nepotism can be cute. Some people people don't tell you that, but they can be yeah, cute. Yeah, but sometimes. what's funny is that they actually never had a scene with their dad because it was always his body double <gasps> that they had scenes with. That's so weird. <laughs> yeah, Bard gives everyone. Clean, you know, clean, dry clothes, and I was like, "There's no way he has that many clothes to spare." No, because in that size, they set up. Balin is like, "That's a really worn coat, and those are really worn old shoes." So that's implying that like he doesn't have a lot of clothes to wear, and then all of a sudden he has fourteen extra clothes to and wear and it wouldn't and even they, be like his clothes it'd be like his son's clothes maybe they were yeah maybe they were some of the kids clothes because they also don't necessarily look that the stuff that bilbo wears does look a little oversized but like it's not like oh these are human clothes yeah. on a dwarf or a hobbit you know they have to remind you that he's just a little guy that is something yeah. i said last time we recorded but it's very important that the author reminds you that he's just a little guy the problem though is that or at least my problem is that they didn't really make Bilbo look that much smaller than the dwarves. Like, he's almost the same height and size as some of them. Yeah, they got a little lazy with that. And it makes but they're me all really just little mad. guys. And so, it's, to everyone, you're a little guy. Like, t- yeah. t- t- you can be a little guy. To an orc, we're all little guys. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, that's some wisdom you can take home. 
I did like there was a going all the way back to the beginning of this part of the movie with Keely and Tariel. There's a, s- a shot where it's all it's a wide shot and it shows both of them and it's like in full perspective and size. Keely's just so much littler than she is. And it's also like, look at this like tall Amazonian yeah, goddess, this, like, you know, seven foot woman. <laughs> I think it's great. Amazing. Love it. Yeah. Um, so they're like, all right, we paid you for weapons. Where are they? And he Bard goes and pulls out um, like a. I don't know if he did this before they came in or if this is just always yeah always like, in a bundle lake, somewhere. Whatever it is, yeah. So he pulls out this bundle from the lake, a bundle of like old either like fishing supplies or something. So that makes me wonder, like. Was Bard stocking up on weapons for like was he planning some kind of uprising in Lake Town? Like why did he have all these like, yeah, I did thi- like whatever. The, the way that I sort of filled that in in my brain is that he was like, okay, if this tyrant gets any crazier, I'll spearhead a revolution. I don't wanna, I'll but I'll do smash it. Smash him with a hammer. Exactly. Because one of them is a giant Just hammer. A giant hammer. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, he's like, I mean, because the, the dwarves are not impressed. Obviously, because like their trade is making really amazing weapons. And so they're not impressed. And he's like, I mean, it's better than nothing. Right. <laughs> and he's like, well, I mean, this is all you're going to get because the rest of the weapons are locked up in the armory that's, you know, just two blocks that way, three blocks that way, you know, obviously. <laughs> I'll, I'm giving you direct instructions. Not that I expect anything's going to happen, but let me tell you how to get there just in case. Yeah. Um, and then they're like, okay, well, whatever. We'll make do. Let's get going. Durin's day is, I believe, the day after next at this point, two days from now. And Bard's like, no, you're not going anywhere. There are people watching the house. You'll wait until it's dark. And then we see Keely sit down in pain and he looks down at his wound and then kind of like looks around at everyone else to see if anyone is noticing and that's when I was like Keely would hide a zombie bite in yes he would he'd ruin everything he would ruin it all as much as I love Keely he would be like it just goes to show you that even a really hot little guy can be be a (laughs) idiot Uh, but yeah so, also yeah. it's like the guy the, the, that the way that they sort of promised it they were like that guy will be dead soon he seems like fine largely still so i don't totally understand well, the mechanics and that's what's funny is he goes downhill very fast from all now of a sudden i know i immediately noticed it rather than like it happening gradually yeah or something. and like i don't was know was it was it this is what i didn't understand is he was like it's a poison on a morgul arrow or whatever it was and yeah. I was like, so is it the poison that's killing him or is it like the Morgul blade? Do you know what I mean? Is it? Yeah. Is it the fact that maybe the fact that it's Morgul? Because when Frodo gets stabbed by the Morgul blade. He dies instantly. I mean, not he, dies, but like, I mean, that's instantaneous. It, it's like dark enough that so maybe maybe the poison is, you know. That's, I didn't understand that. because I was like, whatever. is it the same thing? Because in one instance, he was absolutely gone. Also, I could have just made up the fact that it, he said more. No, I arrow. think you he said might that not too. Because okay, that's in my okay, brain cool. also. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, it was definitely poisoned somehow. Yeah, because now way. he's going to very suddenly go downhill after being pretty okay. Yeah. Meanwhile, they're all like looking out the window and they see the mountain and then they see the thing 
the the launcher <laughs> i forget what Ooh, it, the there's thing. an official name for it but it's a giant bow and arrow you know basically and they're like that i haven't seen one of those since the day smaug attacked dale and i was like how did you know that all of that was happening in dale because y'all were on your own y'all yeah. were in erebor running for your lives and certainly so like, like you, whatever didn't see it like you didn't see it you might have heard of it we didn't see it yeah, they didn't see it. So um, then we see a flashback of Smaug attacking Dale, and we see a- Gurgian. <laughs> I forget his name. <laughs> Girion. <laughs> I don't know. Greg. Whatever. Good old Greg. It's only with a G. Um, we see him going up to this whatever giant bow and arrow launcher thing and attacking Smaug, and is unsuccessful obviously and then uh they're like it's such a shame those humans had to be so terrible and have terrible aim because if they had just killed smaug we wouldn't be here right now yeah we wouldn't be here whatever and then bane is like "Uh uh-uh what you don't know anything he actually did hit the dragon um and it knocked a scale away and the dwarves are like, oh, that's just fairy tales, kid. And I'm like, you're in a fairy tale. Yeah, <laughs> this is all a fairy tale. You just came out of a yeah. toilet. Like, let's yeah. <laughs> let's have a little humility here. Um, but yeah, setting setting that up that like, huh, I think Smaug has a little chink in his armor, which I like that. Um, I like that setup because I don't I don't remember if the if that's how it happens in the book all of a sudden bilbo sees that there's this soft One spot. spot yeah exactly so i like that they added in that backstory here of like this black arrow knocked away this one scale um and they're like but that's just a legend and you know whatever and we're all doomed now then they i don't know they're ta- i guess it's when they're talking about durin's day or something and one of them says thorin and bard leaves the house and is like thinking to himself and he's like thorin thorin and then he looks at the mountain and is like no way <laughs> that thorin <laughs> i didn't know i had a celeb in my house i know and it's just so different from how the book went where they show up the dwarves show up in lake town and thorin goes to the guards and is like what up i'm thorin son of thror <laughs> king under the mountain you may bow to you me remember now. me okay and then they have a lake town throws them a party for two weeks to the point where when they finally leave the master is relieved because like the economy had shut down That's, <laughs> while they were yeah. there and said it's like oh yeah huh he's in my house huh interesting yeah and so now they have to be secretive for all these reasons that don't make sense to me but but whatever yeah bard is like wait a minute i've remembered something whatever and then tells bane you know don't let them leave and he runs off and that is where we will end this segment it's a lot of don't let them leaves and then running places yeah and then Lots running of off to go discover something Lots whatever. of don't let yeah. them leaves uh yeah, yeah. but i do like i do like that moment where he's like thorin why does that sound so that sounds, familiar that's weird and then he's like no way it can- no way it's that thorin yeah he's like but that's just in fairy tales like yeah. okay well it's like wait a minute you best be- what is it yes! you best start believing stories miss turner because you're in one it all loops back it's all pirates of the caribbean it's all, all pirates what is that like ouroboros like the snake eating its own tail it's we're just it's the in circle a, it's just the circle of life we're in a loop we're thorin flying there's not a star in heaven and we can't reach did you listen to one of my episodes 
Did somebody make that exact Already, same joke about Thorin? Literally, we nope. did. Yeah, we did that. I think John Negroni did that. He was like, "We're Thor." I mean, it's really hard not to. And then he was like, and then he was like, "I, I don't, I can't come up with anything else." And I was like, "No, no, no, that'll be a really fun way to do like a mnemonic device to remember all their names of like, we're Thorin." Bow yes, <gasps> and then Genius. and then come up all of those. But I haven't. Uh, it, that's Ori and Dory, Gloin yeah, and the two twins too. Yeah, exactly. It's great. I think it's genius. Yeah. That's Perfect. Patreon content. <laughs> if I ever have time to make anything like that, sorry, patrons. I try my best. I'm just one woman. <laughs> I'm trying my best to come up with great mnemonic devices to remember these dwarves. Oh Oh my god! Actually, no. That probably will make it because um, for the movie episode, since I usually end up recording for so much longer than the final product ends to be, I save everything that I cut and put that to Patreon. There you so go. congratulations, patrons! If you're listening to this amazing content, you're getting extra you content. You made it. You made it. Allie, thank you so much for coming yeah. on. It was it was delightful to have you on and talk about hobbits and and eating the moon and getting drunk off the moon <laughs> getting, and whatever getting else hit on we talked by about tall women you know yeah um i regret that i really was not able to bring frodo into this in any way shape or form because in my head i was like i'm gonna find a way and i never found a way and i do no you did um um with, oh um, yeah Keely falling down well yeah. phew okay i can rest <laughs> Your Ooh. reputation as the, how did you introduce yourself? The Frodo-loving barrel baby. boy. <laughs> Something <laughs> baby. like that. But yeah, wow. Okay, that's good. I feel like I like, like f- fulfilled my like oath, my blood come, oath. Again, we've come full circle. My blood oath has been, the pact has been fulfilled yes. and my soul exactly. can rest easy now. Where can people find you on the internet? And is there anything you're working on that you would like to share with the audience? For for once, I can actually say something because this entire time Yay! I've been like, I don't know. Uh, you can still find me where I've already said before, which is at Miss Alice Nutting. That's spelled M-S-A-L-I-C-E-N-U-T-T-I-N-G. If you live in New York or anywhere around New York, we're performing again. Sort of. We'll see how things go with the world, but at least at present, um, the musical improv team that I've been on for a very long time called Rumple Teaser, we are back and we do two shows a month at uh, The Asylum, which is a theater in New York that's in Chelsea. It's really fun. We've done two shows so far. They've been a blast. It's been so nice to like get back out and like perform for people. Uh, and if you were like, well, I don't live in New York, but I'd like to see those, we're starting to upload them to YouTube. So you can go to our YouTube channel, Ooh. which is Rumble Teaser Musical Improv. That's all I gotta say. That's all I gotta say for my life. But at least it's better than what I've said previously, which is I don't know. Like, nothing. Yeah. The world is shut down. The world is shut down and I don't leave my house. So that's fun. This is um this is your PSA listeners. If you have not already, please go get vaccinated. Yes. Uh, because numbers are on the rise again and I don't want to be I don't want this podcast to jinx everything and then all of a sudden Allie is not <gasps> doing performances. Can you believe stuff. that? Can you imagine if it was your fault, listener? I know. It's I'm speaking all, yeah, to you directly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so please go get vaccinated. And if you're like, well, then if people are getting vaccinated, but numbers are rising, vaccines don't work. They do work exponentially at decreasing your risk of death or risk of of hospitalization or getting severely sick. So go get vaccinated. Go yeah. walk to your local CVS or, or whatever. I guarantee they're doing something. They there. most certainly are doing something almost everywhere. Uh, Mary Clay, you've already been vaccinated. 
We've had one vaccination, yes. yes. What about <laughs> second, vaccination? second vaccination? That's what's going to happen with the, the boosters, too. We're going to be yeah, on to like, boosters, what about yeah. fourth vaccination? Dibs on the memes. Dibs on the memes. Yes, yes. Although I guess the second dose already ca- already counts as the second vaccination. Whatever. But when that first, anyway. when that booster hits, oh boy, when that booster hits. When that booster hits. <laughs> that, those are going to be fun memes. See, listeners, don't you want to be a part of this? So go get, go get yeah, vaccinated. Yeah, you're actually not even yeah. allowed to make jokes with us if you don't get vaccinated. So Yeah, you're not allowed to laugh if you've... If <laughs> You're unvaccinated and you've been laughing this whole time. Take them back. You have to go back in time and swallow your laughs. I don't know how that works. It'll work. We'll make it work. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about is a proud member of WBNE. You can learn more about the network by going to WBNE.org where you will find all of our shows like Unsobered. Hi, I'm Julia, the host of Unsobered, badass women of history and literature. The podcast where I talk about the women that the history books history classes, and the general public often overlook, or who just get a brief mention, but we never really know the whole story of their impact on the world we live in. On Unsobered, I share the stories and histories of these badass, amazing, and strong women. And while I tell you the history we don't get from traditional history classes, I get more and more drunk over the course of the episode. So join me to learn more about your favorite women or to find a new favorite woman that you didn't even know contributed to one of your favorite things with new episodes every other Friday. The cover is by Vaishon Brandon. You can support him on Instagram at Vaishon Designs. You can get merch for the podcast by going to tpublic.com slash user slash pod or following the link in the episode description. You can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at TolkienAboutPod, and you can also join the Facebook group that is linked in the episode description. You can find me on Twitter at MCWhatsUp and Instagram at MCTurnDownForWhat. You can support the podcast by becoming a patron. Go to patreon.com slash TolkienAboutPod to explore the different tiers and perks that are available. You can join our Discord server, which is $3 a month. That is an excellent tier to join. Or you can become a sponsor of the podcast like Danny. Danny, thank you so much for all of your wonderful continued support of the podcast. I very much appreciate it. Also, I think I may have said in the in last week's episode, but I can't remember, Patreon postcards for this summer and the past couple months. Sorry about that, guys. We're just sent out and September postcards should soon be in the mail as well. If you become a patron, even if it's for the $1 tier and it's only for one month, you will get a postcard that is a really cool Lord of the Rings design. And as always, if you like what you're listening to, please rate and review the podcast. Next week, we will pick up at one hour, 19 minutes and 12 seconds and continue to one hour, 57 minutes and 26 seconds. It starts with Legolas finding Tariel as she's following the dwarves and it goes to Bard saying super dramatically, not if I kill it first. Well, yes, Allie, again, thank you so much for coming on. Do you have any parting words for the audience? Ooh, yeah. Just remember that no matter how you feel, if you're feeling good a certain day or bad a certain day, everybody's a little guy to somebody. You could be you could be feeling like a big guy some days, but every some days you're you're just a little guy. You're a little guy to someone. You're always a little guy to somebody. <laughs> so be humble. <laughs> and that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs>